This is Real Talk. Hi there, I'm Dr. Joylyn Maniachi, creatrix and founder of The Happiness Clinic. I'm the world's premier nerd on communication and relationship dynamics, helping make relationships easier by showing you how to get out of your way, how to get more of you in your life so that you can be happy as fuck. Hi there, it's Dr. Joylyn Maniachi and welcome to Your Power Hour. This is your time to put what's on your mind, on my mind, and I'll give you my two cents for free. Now if you notice, and I'm going to brag a little bit here, the background is really different because I'm shooting on location. Don't I sound so stellar here? It is my favorite person's birthday today and so we are at the Tamarack. Uh, ski resort in Donnelly, Idaho, so he can go be all badass and do downhill mountain biking. Oh, and I didn't show you. I was going to show you. I've got a full face helmet because I might even do a lap, but I'm going to make sure I don't break my teeth. So that's going to happen later. But today I had to be here for you first because I love this shit. I love talking to you guys. And there has been so much stuff up in the air myself, my life, my clients, lots of questions coming in from the group. Um, about feelings. Here's what's going on. What about this? How do I know if it's mine? What do I do with it when it's coming big and hard? Oh my goodness, everything feels like it's falling apart. How do I deal with this? And so we're talking about emotional stuff because we actually have, and welcome, there's so many and I can't mention you all by name, but welcome to all our new members and lots of people interested in emotional stuff. Okay, so we're gonna dig right in. I've got my computer over here. The internet's just a little bit slow. We're next to a coffee shop, so some people are chit-chatting around. We got a little kid in there trying to knock on the window and say, hi, it's cute, I wish you guys could see this. But anyway, we're talking about dealing with feelings, and what I wanna deliver today are three keys to handling your shit and keeping your self-esteem intact, maybe even boosting it up a little, okay? Because when we fall to pieces, we know we didn't present or handle things the way that we'd like to and end up feeling guilty or frustrated with ourselves and it brings us down. So how do we work around this and actually grow and change how we're showing up in and with our emotions? So let's start with what the hell are emotions? Now sometimes I like to bring you a good Merriam-Webster definition to start the conversation. We're just going to jump right into yours truly's definition. And basically there's a couple of things. Emotions are emotions, energetic motion, okay? They're just energies running through us, running through our bodies to get us to move in a way that allows them to be processed, the information to be processed fully to completion, okay? So this is number one, it's the bridge between the body and the mind. We talk about mind, body, spirit, medicine, all of these things. The emotions are what really bridge this physical with the mental. Because what feelings are, like I talked last time, it's a lot of information about what you're thinking about yourself or even picking up information from other people about what they think about themselves. But when we pull it into our bodies and process it in our bodies, then sometimes it's hard to tell if it's ours or not. But it's always just information and it's an energy that's trying to get us to move in a way that will allow us to get the message and metabolize it to completion, okay? Because it is physiological. Once it's in our bodies, it's chemical and it needs to be metabolized. And here's some really, really great news that you might not have known 
though I've said it a million times, but if you're new, you haven't heard it before, that it actually only takes 90 seconds for an emotion to be metabolized full process. If it does not have another thought or a narrative going on to it, because it is these thoughts that we start generating to make sense of the emotion that we're feeling that will actually then loop in and feed it and keep it going. So that's why they seem to last for fucking ever, because we keep thinking about it, ruminating about it, or reacting to it in a way that actually keeps it there. So that when we talk about emotional processing, even when we're dealing with trauma, if we actually learn to sit still for a little bit, it's 90 seconds to two minutes, maybe five, before we're actually, have actually processed it. And what's great about that is, if we're talking physiological and you want a thing that nobody's ever actually talked about before, is it actually goes into weight loss too. When we have so much unprocessed chemistry, our body doesn't know what to do with it. It gets pushed to the bottom of the priority list as far as it is non-essential to handle right now because we just got to keep the breathe, the lungs getting air in there, the heart pumping so it's all over the body and our brain thinking, those are high priority. These emotional things, obviously they can wait a minute. They get stuffed into some uh, fat. And so they'll be on your hips, your butt, you know, in the places that you wish they'd come off. And why can't I lose this weight? Why is it sticking around? Because there's a lot of chemistry that just hasn't been metabolized. Breathing, drinking extra water, and sitting still so you can actually process these things can also help physiologically uh, improve your function and physique. Okay, but that's, that's just a little bonus aside. Okay, what else are feelings? They're information about what we're telling ourselves, about who we are, how the world works. We can also pick up from other people because this meat suit here is an awareness of awareness unit. It's just kind of like this, this suit we strap on that says, tell me about the world. And it picks up things because it's got so many nerve endings and it says, oh, that person there's feeling this. Oh, that person 8,000 miles is feeling this. Oh, I'm feeling this. And so it's just a lot of information. 400,000 pieces of information per second, actually. That's what our embodied subconscious can pick up. That's a lot of information, okay? So no wonder we sometimes get overwhelmed because we've got to change our filter. It gets kind of clogged with all of this bullshit childhood programming that we got. So when we start taking that away, the filter gets clear. We can have a little bit more presence, know what's mine, what's not mine, what I need to take action on, what I can filter and file under trash, and life gets a little bit easier that way. The other thing that emotions are, big, big, big time, is actually an interpretation. The feelings are coming from the interpretation, the thought that we are giving to a body sensation. Subconscious is picking it up because that's just its job. It's got nerve endings. It's just picking up, soaking up this information. And then our brain picks it up and says, oh, that actually passed the threshold. I'm now aware of it. And immediately gives a story and interpretation to make it make sense. And that then drives more emotion because sometimes the interpretation that we get is a little bit wonky, uh, skewed, <laughs> outdated, and then we react to it, okay? So that's big. And then I wanted to say, oh, yes, our interpretation, highly, highly susceptible to programming. In truth, almost all of it's because of programming. It's what we picked up when we were little kids 
from all those people around us about who we are, how the world works, how you interact with the world, and we just said, got it. So that will very much be a big part of the filter of how we interpret information coming at us. And a lot of us know very well how to personalize all of the sensations that we get and make it about us, mean something about us, when in truth, a lot of it doesn't. Okay. So here's the beauty, the kick in the pants that's not so beautiful. Because we picked it up at a time when we weren't verbal, operating mainly in theta brainwave patterns, and we just said, okay, that's how it's done here on Earth, got it, mom, dad, you know it, this place is a threatening place, and it's all about me. Oh, and then our little kid brains are very egoic as far as how they interpret things is, I am the center of the universe absolutely essential for survival when you're tiny, but very damaging when we bring it into the present and say everything bad that happens is because of me. I need to do more, I need to be something different. If I were different, things would be different. That's the problem. And because we established that line of thinking when we were small and it didn't get challenged and it didn't get corrected because a lot of us came into dysfunctional family systems and have an educational system that is not geared toward emotional maturity, we just repeat what we know, we become conditioned to it and it becomes a habit and that's who we become who we are. Like even Jim Quick says, first you, do, you, you, you create your habits and then your habits create you. And so that's where Dr. Joe Dispenza says we often have to break the habit of being ourselves because a lot of us at this point in our life are just a collection of habits, including emotional reactions. Let me take a drink because I'm in the high mountain air today. All right. Other notes just to keep in mind about emotions is, again, just going to reiterate as an empath, you're getting a lot of information about other people. The thing is a lot of us pull it into our body and because insecurity is so prevalent here, it'll often have a similar resonance to ours and or there will be a grain of truth that allows it to stick and stay. And so that's a lot of what we are having to piece and pull apart so we can handle our emotions better is knowing what's true, what's not, what's real and what's not. Also to keep in mind, it is just energy. Emotions, even thoughts, are just energy. So that when we go into this big reaction about toxic, negative, narcissistic, uh, all those things that we really create resistance that I'm really gonna go into here in a minute, and, and try to stop things by calling it negative, when in truth, the only thing that makes it negative energy is the label negative. It's actually just energy and it has a higher or lower uh, resonant frequency is basically it, but that they can all just pass through you because when we start to remember who we really are, we're infinite and we have the capacity, potential and possibility to be all of those energies. It's just that we prefer some, we don't like others, we're moving through them all, but we don't ever have to react. The reaction's what allows that energy to stick and stay, where instead of trying to block or prevent or avoid, we can just let it pass through. And that will help out a lot. So keeping that in mind. So that when we are talking about dealing with feelings, 
And here, let me give a pause, because I know I'm talking fast, because I charged right in, because I was like, oh my god, I'm on vacation, I'm doing this on location, I was so excited about me. Give me a thumbs up, give me a happy face, give me some sort of emoji, little, oh, Julie likes to give rainbows, and I like seeing those. Give me something, let me know, you're with me, the internet's working, and I'm not just talking to oblivion, although I would still do it so you get the replay. And I'm going to take a drink while I get some emojis, okay? Okie dokie. So when we are talking about feelings, most of what we're actually dealing with is resistance and reaction. That's, I'll say 90%. Sure, that statistic is totally made up, but I know from myself and from working with a lot of clients that about nine times out of 10, we're actually, when we're talking about the feelings, the big, big feelings, is our resistance and our reaction to what is. Um, and the reason that this becomes such a big percentage and why we have to take so much time to peel back this resistance and reaction is because there was no training. There was no modeling on how to handle and process and appropriately take action to fully metabolize this level of intensity. To really interpret these emotions, to actually sort through is it mine? Is it not mine? Do I need to take any action? Is this a big deal? Where is this coming from? Like all those things, nobody showed us how to do. We just saw everybody else flip out. So we thought that's okay. That's how you handle this stuff. You just flip out. Okay. Or here's how you get uh, attention. You just become a mess and you get attention. That worked for my family. Okay. So there's been no training in how to ask questions, to get information, in sitting still and allowing your nervous system to actually handle the intensity we all just saw learned and then repeated into habit how to uh make it go away that's what it, it hurts it's intense just make it go away so that's really the most of what we're dealing with when we're talking about dealing with feelings okay the other thing that comes up a ton that i see in groups all over and especially for empaths because we have a highly sensitive nervous system that on the moment to moment is even picking up even more subtleties of information. So our bandwidth is like wider. We're just getting more information. It's like just coming in. But the people are talking about feeling emotionally drained. And that's where that sucks. We all know that feeling of I am just exhausted. I just can't right now. You know, I can't handle this. I just can't, you know, and we've told ourselves that. And that's then where a lot of people, they want to block the negative. They're trying to protect themselves. They want to eliminate toxic people from their life, which let me tell you, you will be lonely because we all are toxic from time to time as we are moving through our healing process in this ascension because it's coming up to go. But that that then we end up also sometimes being ruled by our emotions. Having come into a family system that did not validate emotions, that did not condone talking about them, that did not have any sort of capacity or training themselves to pass on about how to handle emotions, so that we end up being ruled by them. A lot of times in reaction to oh, it's not important, just to let it go, which I got a lot, so then I made them all important. I can't let any of this go because it's all meaningful. Or sometimes to the opposite extreme where, and this is new to me, but I've had several clients that I just go into shutdown mode. 
I just actually shut down because I know it's not allowed. And I just hunker down and wait for it to go away or just shut everybody out until I can feel like I can handle it again. The other things that sometimes happen, the shit show, the basket case, I've had meltdowns that used to come when I was hangry. Um, but that we're mostly dealing with emotional resistance, reaction, and the drain is coming from the energy we're putting in to resistance and reaction, okay? Because what we're resisting is ourselves. It's like we are this infinite thing. So we're like this wave in the ocean and we're using all this energy to say, no, you can't crash on this beach. I can't have you. Like just try to hold out the ocean, okay? You're gonna get tired and you're gonna feel like a failure because ocean's gonna come anyway. That's what happens with our feelings because we're just tapped into the oceanic universe and we're just getting waves of energy. So that a lot of times we're just denying a feeling, we're refusing to have it because it's inappropriate. We're refusing to have it because it doesn't feel good. We're refusing to have it because it means we're not who we think that we are. Like if we say, I'm a happy person and I can't be sad. I'm a happy person so I can't get anxious. And so we just refuse ourselves the entirety of who we are and what's coming up in the moment. Sometimes we just refuse to give it audience because 90 seconds to two minutes and it's gone. Sometimes that can be one of the most uncomfortable and unpleasant 90 seconds you think of your entire life. So even though it's short, it feels like eternity in the moment and we just don't want to have it. So we refuse to give it audience and we will distract ourselves, run away or just say, I will just do anything else to not have you. Sometimes we refuse to know what we know and to actually have the message that we know it's bringing because it's inconvenient, it's what we don't want to know. Sometimes we just know that person is not the right fit for us, but we look so good on paper. I can see the potential. I've been alone for so long. It feels so good in the moment. Oh, I just want to eat that thing. Just one little thing's not going to hurt. And we refuse ourselves because we just don't want to have the knowing that we actually know. We just won't acknowledge it. And then sometimes, especially with anger, we are actually refusing our potency. We are just diffusing ourselves and splattering our emotions everywhere because we're just trying to diffuse this energy that's actually trying to direct us in a way that we're just scared shitless to go. I don't want to leave corporate because then I know I get two weeks of vacation and a steady paycheck. But God damn it, my heart is telling me I'm supposed to create this business but I'm scared, so I just won't. So I'll just splatter myself all over and tell myself, or here's what I do, here's from yours truly. Because I'm creating a business and, and actually creating something that has never existed before as far as healthcare is concerned, how people are talking about emotions, that yeah, there's similarities and strings, but nobody's put it together like me and I knew it, I knew I had to. Partly because I'm a really good employee but I really just get annoyed with having to be at a certain place at a certain time every single day. And that just wasn't gonna work for me in entirety. And I get to have a slice of what I like, but then I can only talk about one thing when I wanna talk about 18 things because I'm a relationship coach and I'll tell you how all those 18 things actually go together, okay? So I knew that, but what I kept telling myself and then emoting in a very 
unflattering way is I don't know. And I would create all this uncertainty because I was actually just afraid to move forward and just say, fuck it, I'm going to make it. I don't really know what I'm doing, but it wasn't because I was stupid or that I really didn't know. It's just because I'm creating a new way of being. And for a lot of you, that is what it's going to feel to actually show up as someone different than you've always known yourself as so very different from how the rest of your family or your town or your part of the world functions and, and operates with people and with their feelings. And so we'll actually just get really angry or sometimes even really depressed or anxious so we just spin in circles so that we don't actually become what it is that we really want to become but don't know exactly how to do it and since we don't know exactly how to do it our mind says you can't do that and we stop there, okay? That's draining, all right? so draining I need a drink of water and then we've got reaction and these are gonna you know weave into each other but the reaction sometimes we actually emote to prove who we are that we care and my mother is paramount at this worrying herself to death to prove that she cares about her children you could be dead in a ditch that's what I got every time I came home at night you know and, and I used to do this with my husband. Where were you? You could have been hurt coming down from the mountain. And I'm trying to express caring and concern, and I love you, and I'm glad that you're back, but really it looks like I'm pissed at you for coming home, okay? That's what my mom gave me, so that's what I gave to him. And, and it's laughable now. If, once we've laughed at it, we have changed it, okay? So that's a different way, but that's how it used to be. I was emoting to show how very caring I was. And we will emote and worry ourselves to death to show how loving and concerned and invested we are or passionate about a cause or a person. My sister one time, and she's like several years older than me, and she's took, taken a career path to where she's full-on corporate in VP's offices all the time, has been a VP herself, and, and here's me starting out, dirtbag entrepreneur, and she'd just be like, I lose sleep worrying about your finances, and I was like, well, then give me money, and I my finances will be okay, and you can sleep, but she was doing this whole, I'm proving that I care about you by worrying myself out of sleep, and it's absolutely ridiculous, but that's one way that we react to, this is who I am, this is how I know that I'm caring, that I'm invested, that I'm passionate. We just emote all over the place and all over the people, and it ain't pretty, okay? Another reaction it's to is to feeling disconnected and needing attention. A lot of us came into a family system where it wasn't okay to be the center of attention. We came in and we knew immediately somebody else got bigger problems, they're the big deal, and because they're bigger and I'm smaller, I need them for survival, they are the big deal of my life. And so this other person is always the center of attention, but as social beings and as small children, we actually have a need for attention. It lets us know we're part of the tribe. It lets us know we're connected. It lets us know we're safe and secure, but we did not, it wasn't really okay to get it and so a lot of us, the only way we knew how to get it were when things went bad or to create some sort of scene, a temper tantrum, um, 
because and and some of us did attempt to do it through perfectionism and if we get everything right we'll get the attention and that would last for about a half a second and you'd be like oh god all that work and it didn't work and then some of us that i judged when i was little but they would just be getting totally negative attention failing all their classes but what a lot of our our emotional status and what we're showing and displaying is actually just i need attention and i don't know how to get it another one same with the potency is we'll hide from ourselves i have actually at times and and work through this and i and i actually have a couple of clients a prospect too that's talking about i have this huge anger and what anger is is kind of like the tasmanian devil or even uh pig pen on um charlie brown to where it creates this cloud to where you actually get to stay hidden so that sometimes our anger is actually a safety mechanism because i don't know how to be seen right now I don't know how to be seen and be so vulnerable to just say, I'm scared right now. I don't know how to handle this right now. I need attention right now. So I'll just create this big uh, dust storm around me. And it's usually anger or anxiety are the two that actually create that. Uh, what depression will do is actually shrink us to a point that we feel like, okay, I'll just be in a cocoon and hide. We're hiding from ourselves that way and using our emotions to do that. Another thing that they are is a control mechanism. If our emotions are big, we feel that we've gotten big and then we actually dominate other people. Now, there are so many empaths and other empath groups that insist that only narcissists do this and that is bullshit. Because most narcissists are not clinically diagnosable because if they are, it's an actual personality disorder. It is really hard to treat. But most people that are expressing as narcissists are actually just wounded, empathic, sensitive people. And what we do know is energetic sensitivity. We know emotionality really well. And so we use that to get what we want. But it is all unconscious because we are not trying to hurt anybody. We aren't trying to dominate somebody. What we're trying to do is establish safety. But because of our childhood, whether it be trauma or just emotionally immature people, which is true for a lot of us, we don't know how to create that safety for ourselves. And so we'll create this expression so that we can dominate, we can get the attention, we can get the reassurance that we need, and we can get things to go the way that we want them to go so that we know that we're safe. It's all just a safety mechanism. It's not trying to hurt anyone but it does hurt people, including ourselves, because it's actually just taking longer to get there and it's actually denying that we have the potential and possibility to be the safety that we require. But we're gonna get to that because that's part of handling your shit, all right? So let's go into that, handling your shit. Emotional handling, that's what I'm talking about. So when I'm talking about this, and I notice that so is my segue. Anytime I go into something else, I'm gonna say so. So, we're talking about this now. It is one of the questions that we ask is this is mine, not mine. Let me tell you from experience, the actual awareness of that comes with practice. A lot of us can't tell right away. And a lot of the times the answer is both because we've pulled it into our body to such an extent that it will feel like ours or we're processing it with our body so it will feel like ours. But that starts to become unwind the more we ask that question and allow that awareness to come up. But it is not important to know whose it is if it's not ours. 
All we have to know, if it's not ours, we can set it down and we can give it back. And all you have to do is say, I return to sender. I return to issuer. I return to whoever this is that I picked it up from. You don't have to know who it is because that will just go into narrative and keep it around. It's just more for you to know you have the permission, the possibility, and the capability to set it down and say, this isn't mine to handle. It's never going to go away. The intensity never drops because it's not mine to handle. That's what the importance of the information is, okay? But emotional handling and that skill, it is a skill. These are skills. And so they actually improve with practice. So just getting rid of the judgment that you should be good at it already, that you should know how to handle it, or even the bullshit that my identity is, this is just who I am, is an emotional basket case, is all crap. It's a skill that we can practice and develop, refine, and master so that when the shit hits the fan, we know how to step out of the way and don't get splattered by that. We aren't the shit or the fan splattering it all over everybody else. <laughs> These are some weird metaphors here. but And then to know that in this process, it's the progress that actually makes us happy, not the perfection. The perfection, the judgment of we should have been doing it better already, that just slows the whole process down. So be gentle with yourself. You are learning a new skill that you've likely never or hardly ever seen. It's not something that is taught in our schools. It's not really even something that religion or any kind of uh, spiritual bodies talk about. A lot of them just tell you to stuff it down. I had an ex-boyfriend who was on the narcissistic end of the spectrum who would meditate to escape his feelings. Like a lot of people talk about sitting with your feelings and meditation can be a great tool to allow your body the space and time to process and metabolize. But I swear he was sitting on them and, and just waiting for them to, to calm down, to get his heart rate down enough to where he thought he had moved on, but he would erupt as, as big and explosive no matter how many years he meditated because he was just trying to get them to shove down. It was just, it was just a mechanism to push down. So it's important to know that there's to be gentle, to use the tools, but to know that what we're actually trying to do is give them audience to be present with them so that they don't take over our lives so that we aren't spilling or exploding or throwing them on other people. Okay. And the benefit then of that, here's the reason why should I even do this? Because emotional stuff isn't easy. If it were, everybody would be doing it already. You would already know how to do it. It has not, sadly, been a high priority in our society. We have prized intellect and problem solving. And so that's why we have a lot of wounded, traumatized, age-regressed people. So we're all just like scared, wounded little kids running around, throwing poo at each other like monkeys, and then just getting mad at, at each other for doing that, okay? Because nobody's gotten really good training on how to do this. But if we're willing to dig in and do the work, that is uncomfortable. Because even if it is only 90 seconds, which it can be, but often takes longer because we do feed it with narratives, it can be really unpleasant and really intense at times. But if we do do it, that's how we get confidence, self-esteem, inner peace, 
and energy because we won't be using all our energy trying to deny or refuse something that like the ocean is just gonna happen and be anyway and we're not gonna like be using all our energy to try to stop things that aren't under our control like other people or the past that's already happened so we can't go back and change it you know so there is so much benefit to that and i even threw out a question to the group of what would you value confidence self-esteem as and everybody says priceless but a lot of us will not pay attention we will not give time and we balk at the cost of of how much to have a coach help us with this but we actually all know this is priceless to have me to have confidence, to have self-esteem, to know that I'm worthy, I'm valuable, I like myself, I know how to handle my stuff, I can be the calm presence in the room that allows for opening presence and possibility and new outcomes. That is awesome. And here's where healing you is how you help the world. Putting on your oxygen mask first, we all know that, but it's a lot of us don't do it. You actually being selfish, paying attention to you, giving yourself time to go to that little kid, to heal that trauma, to be a little bit selfish for a while, to make it all about you. That's how you help the world because that's what you didn't get as a little kid, but you still need it. Those needs don't go away. They're just getting way postponed. You give it to yourself, then you actually have a greater capacity to be that for other people, to be the space of not judging emotions, being like, yeah, you're, you're having a real rough time. You're having really conflicting feelings. I get that. And you don't have to try to change them, fix them, force them, rush them, tell them that just, you know, don't worry, be happy. You can say it, but you know that it's just like on your time. And you can be that for yourself first, because that's how you learn how to do it. You're your own practice dummy, okay? But it's the greatest, most lovable dummy in the world. And then you can be that for other people. And you can do it simultaneously. You don't have to necessarily do it for one for the other, but you're the one that actually is the practice that you get to control that's always available for you in every single moment of the day so that you can be that for someone else to a greater capacity, all right? And then you become a model. Seemed like it was at a good supper. Hi there, it's Dr. Joanna Mariachi, and this is part two of Power Hour because at 1234, it's 1234, I was only halfway done. The internet said, you're done. But I said, I don't think so. I got to tell people how to actually handle emotions because I'm all about pragmatics. I had only gone through the theory and the educational piece. Where's the actual shit I can apply? I've got to give that to you. So, internet, you're going to work. That's what I said. And so it said, okay. So I started again. So this is part two. So when we're talking emotional handling, here are some things to know. The benefits are higher self-esteem, inner peace. You get to be a healing, calming presence. The healing ripple effect that, that, is, that spreads healing in the world, okay? It gets easier with practice. It really does. It won't if you don't do anything, okay? Then it will just stay. What you resist persists. And the longer you resist it, a lot of times the intensity grows because your soul is trying to get your attention to heal this stuff because a lot of it's just old, lifetimes ago, childhood ago, yesterday ago, okay? But we just didn't give it any time to process. It get, but these are skills, so they get better with time. The emotional processing gets better with time. 
the emotions pass sooner because we're not uh, feeding it with all the narrative. We're not creating this antagonism of me versus you, uh, hero versus villain sort of crap. There's less collateral damage because we're not throwing it out all over the place. We got less tail between our legs, sort of, ooh, I'm sorry, I didn't handle that so well. I wish I would have done that better. Or even using more of our energy trying to justify our poor emotional handling and why it was okay. I was just having an off day and I snapped somebody and they should just understand. Like, there's just way less collateral damage because we start to, to get a little bit more presence in first do nothing. Sort of thing makes more sense. Also, you know, you've got to know you've had a slice of this, but as soon as I say it, you're going to be like, yeah, that is true. On the other side of this intensity, when you pass through it, when the surrender finally comes, there's opening, there's release, there's relief, and there's insight. Always, always on the other side of this intensity is an equal intensity of awareness and peace. Always. And we can also know that it always passes. You are not feeling the same today as you were yesterday. You are not the same person today as you were three years ago. And the name alone, emotion, it's in motion, it's moving, it's trying to get us to move. It is not designed to stay. It only stays when we refuse it, resist it, react to it, and hold it in place that it stays. So we can always know this too shall pass and start leaning into that with confidence to know that we can handle this. That will take down some of the intensity right there because some of the intensity is I can't handle this and that's not true. It's coming up to go. It's an emotion. It's moving. It's in process. Let's just let it flow and it will be over soon and there's insight on the other side. The resistance is what's increasing the intensity and making it last longer. And then also when we make it significant, because we've become a product of our habits, because we have a habit of feeling this set of emotions, whether it's anxiety, depression, uh, distractibility, when we make them significant, we make them a big deal. And in, in uh, proportion, we tend to shrink. And that's where it then looks like I can't handle this because this emotion's so big and I'm so little. But that's totally wrong and skewed because I'm the haver of the emotion, so I have to be bigger than it because I'm the one that created it. And I'm the one giving it the thought that's feeding it. So when we make these emotions a big deal, oh, it's such a big deal, we lose our heads, we lose perspective, the obstacle or, or the thing becomes the big deal and we shrink. And when we do that, we further go into beta brainwave patterns and lose our capacity to be creative and see possibilities. We intensify our uh, tendency to look outside of ourselves and say, you're the problem and waste our emotional or all of our energy trying to control other people's circumstances that are out of our control. That's where we're getting a lot of the drain. Okay, so keeping those things in mind. So the handling requirements, and here I'm going to try to, i got to wrap this up. The, the, the thing that we're trying to do in totality really is just to put space between the stimulus, the situation, whatever's coming up, and the reaction. That's it. That's all we got to do. If that's all we do, we will start putting a wedge between ourselves and this programming and ourselves in this habit to where we can start to then breathe and see that we are not 
the habit. We're the creator of the habit and it can change. So just putting space between the stimulus and reaction, okay? And then also the second step from that then that will flow from it is doing something different so that something else can show up. What we're doing right now is doing all the same stuff that we've known as far back as being a preverbal infant is how to react to stuff. And that's why things keep showing up so we react to it and then it keeps showing up some more and we react to it and then we don't like how it is and we react to it some more but things don't really change. They might get a little bit better and then they either turn back into the same they might get a little bit better but it doesn't last for long. We might get just a little bit better but not a lot better because we're just sort of doing the same thing. So we have to do something different enough to allow something totally different to show up for us to show up in a totally different way. A way that leaves us empowered. A way that ensures that we're secure and we're safe. Because so much of this reaction is just reacting to, I'm not safe right now. But we can put the space between the stimulus and the reaction so that we actually in that space check in and say, I'm okay, how do I know? Because I'm here. I'm here, I've got my back, I'm okay. I can handle this from here. I don't like it, but I can handle it because I know I'm safe. We get to have that level of presence and that level of stability that we create for ourselves so we know it cannot be taken away. And then it also includes us because as empaths, we've known how to create our life according to everyone else and for everyone else to make sure that they feel okay, to make sure they feel loved, to make sure they feel nurtured, but we leave ourselves out and do too much people pleasing, bending over backwards, or just denying ourselves and say, I can't have this because it's inconvenient. We're starting to have a, a space for us to where we actually need to be here. I actually get to have feelings. They don't all make sense. I don't have to make myself make sense because I'm not a puzzle piece or a problem to solve. I actually just know how to, how to deal with this so that I actually get to be a whole person, okay? So with this, here we're going in skills. It's a skill. Are you ready for the first one? I'll, I'll start with a softer one. Okay, I'm going to start with a softer one because the first one's pretty, pretty tough. Get it outside of your body. With emotional handling, the reason is they, they get big, we look at it, and we're trying to intellectualize it so it actually feels like the fullness of who we are. But if you can take a breath and actually say, where is it in my body? A lot of times it is coming from a sensation and it is in a certain place. They're generally like, because it won't be a thought. Your emotion won't be a thought, so it won't be in your brain. It may be a headache, but then you'll be aware it's a physical sensation. A lot of times it's in the throat. I have a lot here where it feels like something's trying to get out. A lot of people have it in their solar plexus, but sometimes it can be in, it's, it's the hurt in my foot. That's actually an emotion that, you know, but where is it in your body? And then it is just energy. You can get it outside of your body so that you know it's not all of you. You're not schizophrenic, you're not dissociating, you're actually dropping into your body to locate it and then getting it outside of your body so that you know it's, it's something that is not all of you. And then sometimes you can even have a conversation with it to say, what's your name? What's the message you have for me? And you can actually sort of dialogue with your emotions. The other thing, and this is, so I guess there's really just just two, you know, is what we're really doing with all of this is recalibrating the nervous system. We have a highly sensitive nervous system. It will sometimes feel like lightning or pins and needles because it's really, really intense. 
the way that we've handled that is just to try to like get it out and and then been you know judged for that shushed for that told that that's not appropriate so we'll either try to hold it in or until we can't and then we become our little over basket cases but to recalibrate the nervous system so that it actually doesn't throw off those red flags system meltdown sort of signals and a lot of that is learning how to sit still actually that when emotions come we can take a breath sometimes sit down long enough to say where is this in my body I'm okay to actually sit still instead of immediately trying to make it go away the other thing that we are that we can do so there is three because I, I read it wrong on my notes I usually have the original outline that is post-it notes and everything and then the more uh, outline that I can read but I didn't get a chance to put it all together so I'm looking I was like oh so you gotta sit still but also to set it down especially when something isn't ours but even when something comes up it's intense I'm feeling really sad I'm feeling really bummed that we can actually set it down and it does not have to be the entirety of our day or the focus of our attention and because it's so intense it actually at first will feel really really unnatural to consciously put your attention on something else for instance yesterday I had uh, it was it was a client meeting like a business opportunity and I really saw it going one way all the signs were pointing this way this is the way I thought it was gonna work out the best for both of us and then the person said I don't see that happening let's come up with something else and it was it was just sort of deflating because it was actually like the third time in two days that that I thought things were going one way yes I got a little attached to the outcome because it was getting so excited with the possibilities you know like the dating potential like oh it could be so good and then it didn't and three times in a row and and I just I was really upset I was really disappointed disappointment is one of the hardest emotions for me to deal with and I don't like it I would rather rather be uh, dealing with anger I would have rather expressed anger than disappointment but I've gotten beyond that to where I know anger is just a distractor so I was just I was with the disappointment but then knowing my husband's birthday's coming up we've got this vacation coming up if I am this way and this is the entirety of my day I'm not having any fun I'm not productive in some of the other tasks that I have to get done I have to just set this down and so I went to my back patio in my new office area that's almost complete and soon I'll be taping power hours from there and I cried for a minute and then I said okay I'm gonna set this down because there isn't anything I can do with this right now and and then I realized like what was the message the disappointment was I was attached to the outcome and and I was going into my habit of uh, giving myself a reason not to trust the universe because I can't see how things are working out for me I can assume that they're not and I'm working on changing that and the universe is there saying here's an opportunity for you to trust us like you said you would and I said no and then I realized how disappointed upset and frustrated I was I cried and I said okay this is I see what it is now I had asked for something different the opportunity came up it was coming up to go I got the message and then I said okay I have to set it down too 
and, and trust that it will process if I don't give it any more narrative and a whole lot more attention to energize it. So learning how to set it down and knowing at first it's going to feel really unnatural, but that we can always do that. That's what we've actually been using our emotions for is distraction a lot of times to distract us from something else we don't want to know. So of course when we have an emotion that we know we need to let breathe, we can put our attention and focus onto something else and it can be our body, it can be a body sensation. That's what a lot of trauma uh, recovery needs is to get back into the body, rub your thighs, the top of your forearms, your breathing. That's where meditation comes in, yoga, slow movement. It can also just be, I'm going to color in a coloring book because I just need to give myself space. It could be some sort of mindless activity. Maybe I got a spreadsheet that I can actually just throw myself into because it's something that needs to get done anyway. I actually, cleaning can help me sometimes because it's actually just a physical activity that I can, you know, just be letting things go and not thinking about stuff. So finding a way to, to learn how to set an emotion and a thought and a narrative down and just give it space to breathe. And a lot of times then we'll notice it actually passed, it's done. Now we got a question, what do you do when you figure out where it's coming from in our body? When you figure out where it is in your body, what I was saying is then you can like move the energy outside of your body and you can get curious about it. Does it have a color? Does it have a texture? Does it have a name? But then you can ask what is the message it has for you? And when you get the message, a lot of times you will start to, to witness or experience that the energy dissipates or changes in some way and then you say, thank you and you have gratitude for the awareness for the perception and then you say okay and then you give it space and your body will metabolize whatever's left does that make sense Nikki because it's it's not like a lot of times we want to intellectualize things and say that it's important where it is in the body if that is part of the message it will let you know uh, Louise Hay does a lot. You can heal your body and saying if it's in certain parts, sometimes this is what it has to do with. That's part of the message. So you can use that as information, but it just not making anything a big deal because the brain works with symbolism. And so there's a lot of good literature. Like I like Louise Hay a lot, but there are sometimes where it's a good starter, but it isn't a match. Um, and then sometimes I'll just look and I'll Google it. What's the spiritual meaning of, and I look this up, which is spiritual meaning of the left foot. Cause I've been having trouble with my left foot. And it was a lot of times left side of the body connected to the right side of the brain. That's the nonverbal spiritual kind of energetic, emotional part and needing to let me lead with that. And have I resisted that maybe a little bit? Yes, because like you, I'm a smarty pants and I like being a problem solver and I like knowing things and I want to know what's next. But what's coming from me, for me, through me is the universe saying, you've got to move with us. You've got to let us lead. Sorry, it's going to be breadcrumbs, but that's actually more adventure and that's what you've been asking for. And it's always going to show up if you just trust us. And so it's just okay. And then, and then seeing how the symptoms will change and, and yeah, just where is in our body so that we can have uh, a conversation and, and get the information. So there you go. 
Alrighty, so we're coming to the end, and I can tell that the love of my life is ready to get back on his bike and back on the hill. So I'm gonna wrap this up and say, this is just the beginning. This is emotional handling, this is emotional maturity. And emotional maturity does not make you boring. It's not about being boring, it's not about like being buttoned up. It's about being resilient. It's about not passing on pain anymore. It's about being the healing uh, ripple effect because we know how and it's integrating. It's integrating that wounded child so that you get to keep the childlike wonder, but you get to lose and get rid of the childish behavior that says, I can't handle this. It's your fault. You should do this for me. It's not fair. I'm going to stamp my foot and cross my arms and not budge, like throw things. Yeah, I used to throw things. That's childish, but it's, it's a way to emote. But now I, I, there's just so much actually more possibilities for handling this intensity in a safer, more pleasant way that doesn't make other people feel unsafe around you. Okay, that's emotional maturity and it's resilience just being like, I'm going to bounce back. And I'm going to bounce back stronger because I know on the other side of this is opening, is release, and greater awareness and it isn't gonna last forever. I'm bigger than this, and so I got this. I know how to create the security for me, okay? And nothing rattles my cage anymore. That's emotional maturity, okay? So I want you to have this. I know all the wrong things to do to get it, because <laughs> I've done them all over and over. And so what I'd like to do is shortcut that for you. Give me as your Cliff's Notes so that you don't have to make the same mistakes, you don't have to take as long, you don't have to run as many experiments with all different variable configurations and get it as soon as possible. That's the 90-day relationship model. I love having these conversations so that you can get to this place of self-esteem, knowing how to look in to make sure you're okay instead of out to make sure you're okay, knowing without a shred or a hair of a doubt I can handle this, the universe has my back, this too shall pass, I know how I want to show up in this, and here's what I'm going to do to ensure that. This is possible when we remodel the relationship you have with you, start remembering who you really are as infinite, as unfuckwithable. That is what the 90 day relationship remodel is about. That's what I want you to have, so I want you to contact me so that we can get you set up. It is super, super simple. We'll have a chat and you can either say, gas pedal on, we're good to go, get you set up with your next appointment, or I got some questions for you, a little bit hesitant, I'm scared shitless because I've never done this and I don't know what I'm doing, and I'll talk you off the ledge and into my arms and we're going to have fun going hand in hand into uh, Joyland land or whatever land, but Joyland land's where I'll take you because that's what I know. Anyways, into unlimited possibilities, emotional resilience and maturity and self-confidence, self-esteem happy as fuck. All right. That's an idea relationship model. Please, please, please message me because I want to work with you because I love you. And I'm already looking forward to next Wednesday's power hour. Who knows what I'll talk about because I'm waiting for your questions because that's what I want to answer to be a resource for you. And so now it is time for us to actually enjoy our vacation. I hope you enjoy the rest of your Wednesday and I love you to pieces. Mwah. Thank you all for joining us today. I'm Dr. Joylyn Maniachi, and it's been a pleasure chatting with you. This podcast is made possible through listener support. So let's keep this thing going and have more real talk. 
no fluff, no bullshit. Go to the Happiness Clinic page on Facebook and you can join the group Real Talk with Dr. Joylyn Maniachi. We can continue the conversation in Power Hour, the weekly group coaching on Wednesdays at noon, Mountain Time. You can also go to ihappentothings.com. Go to the podcast page and support this podcast. While you're there, check out my blog and even get a badass t-shirt from the Happiness Clinic. We've got so many ways to connect. Thanks again for listening, and I invite you to join me again in the next episode.